1: Welcome to Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Together for Good exists to recognize and uplift the many people working together for the good of San Antonio and the surrounding communities. Now here's the host of Together for Good, Cody Knowlton.
2: Hey everybody, this is Cody Knowlton with the Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Thank you so much for listening to today's Together for Good. We are excited to be here with you, and we're really excited to be welcoming uh, Avita Moran, who is the CEO of Rise Recovery, as our special guest today. Avita has served as CEO of Rise Recovery since 2016. Her career spans the front lines of civil service, housing, education, and addiction treatment. She is a San Antonio native and has been recognized by San Antonio Woman Magazine as a San Antonio role model, the San Antonio Business Journal's 40 Under 40, and the NASW's Alamo Region Social Worker of the Year. Avita, you're kind of a superstar. I mean, wow! <laughs> Thank and, you for and, having me today. And we didn't read all of it. I mean, that's just that's just the basics. <laughs> <kind>. <laughs> Well, we have known each other, or known your organization, Mm -hmm. uh, since 2007. So we are just um, honored and privileged to be a part of your work and what y'all are doing, and looking forward to talking with you today about Rise Recovery and all that happens with, with Rise. So before we get into RISE, uh, why don't we just start off with what is your personal journey uh, with RISE Recovery? What does that look like?
1: Sure. Well, I am a social worker by trade. That's how I got involved in nonprofits to begin with, doing direct practice, being that first case manager, that housing manager, that um, counselor through the years. And it was through my seeing these barriers and wanting to basically tell myself, if I could only run this program, then I could remove these barriers for these participants. And and then as I would get, go higher, I would see barriers just one step up. If I could just remove those, then things would be easier for my clients, participants. And I sort of accidentally found my way into leadership because it was the only way to remove the barriers that I saw. And so I got to do that uh, through five years of working at Haven for Hope. Mm. And um, then by that point, I had become the VP of Transformational Services for that campus and was a a very large job, but I felt like I had enough of doing so many different kinds of things in this beautiful brand new agency, Haven for Hope, that I was able to really start to focus on my own mission, um, which was recovery. And when I found Rise Recovery... And I found that it was 100% uh, staffed by people in recovery themselves. That it was using a 12-step principles. That it was, um, you know, driven by this uh, faith mentality. I felt like it was just a perfect fit for me. And it was. It's been now seven beautiful years. And I'm no longer a new executive director or CEO. I've been with the, this organization so long that um, I, I feel I feel it every day. And I'm grateful every day that I get to walk in in our rooms and see our staff. And it just feels like a second home to me.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, being a San Antonio native, uh, what the audience doesn't know, and since we're talking about your personal journey, you went to New York. I did. And you got educated in New York at the college level and then came back. So talk about leaving San Antonio, going to New York, being up there. A lot of people that will stay. I mean, to make a journey like that, sure. come home would be unusual. So mm-hmm. you came home.
1: Yes, I did. I decided um, that home was where I wanted to be. I spent 10 years on the East Coast going to school, learning my practice, really getting involved up there. But it's um, it's a completely different world. It was one that was great when I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. It's not a, a wonderful place to raise kids, in my opinion. And when I realized I wanted to settle down and have a family, um, San Antonio Where I'm born just also happens to be one of the best places to raise a family, one of the best places to retire. And so it was really no question that um, San Antonio was home for me. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, before we talk more or allow you to talk more about the programs at RISE, let's let's rewind the tape just a little bit and talk about the history Mm -hmm. of before it was RISE Recovery. What was it?
1: So... Rise Recovery has a really um, unusual history. It's been around for 45 years, formerly known as the Palmer Drug Abuse Program. And people in Houston and San Antonio may be familiar with that term if they've been around for a while. And so it started out in the 70s. It was supported by a pastor uh, at, at a Episcopal church in Houston. Uh, Father McNaughton was his name. And uh, we were able to move that mission from Houston to San Antonio in the 80s and it's been such a gift to San Antonio because really for those last 45 years there really hasn't been a whole lot of options for kids teens getting substance use recovery except for the Palmer drug abuse program which later became Rise Recovery we changed the name to Rise Recovery because drug abuse is a stigmatizing way to look at things it can be uh, people can be shamed by the term abuse and so we really wanted to focus on the positives and the direction that, that we want our people to go, which is recovery. And we want them to rise and overcome this. And so the, the name Rise Recovery made so much sense to us.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about the programs that Rise is currently offering and, um, and anything coming up in the near future.
1: Sure. So Rise Recovery, one of the things that we uh, really pride ourselves on is having um, all of our services provided at no cost to the, to the teens and families that we serve. And the other component that is very special for RISE is that our, our programs don't just address that teen, but the entire family system around that teen. And so we know that, that addiction is a family disease and that a parent... And even the siblings are drastically affected when there's a loved one with addiction in the same way that that a whole family would be affected if there's a cancer and, you know, a diagnosis or other challenging diagnoses. And so we really need to help out uh, that family, those siblings and that parent, uh, partner, guardian, whoever that is in their lives that's supporting them. They need as much help as that that kid. And so we provide uh, one-on-one peer coaching uh, with certified uh, staff who receive their training uh, by the state and are in long-term recovery. We provide peer support groups, to, and they're 12-step based, um, and so we provide the ability for them to learn from other people like them, other kids like them. They learn to develop, adopt an alternative peer group away from maybe the, the negative influences that of peers that they're experiencing maybe in their high school or in their neighborhood that are causing them to use. And uh, we really try and bring the concept of recovery into their vocabulary are not familiar with that term. They are used to recreational use, fun use to it being uh, negatively influenced as as a hip thing to do and as a way to solve problems. And drugs and alcohol are none of those things in reality. And so being able to help be that voice of having that you can have a fun, exciting, thriving life and not need alcohol or drugs for that. That's what we're about.
2: So do you see any geographically specific challenges to sobriety in our area?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, having been a native of San Antonio and moving around uh, the states as I have, I have seen uh, that alcohol in particular is a big problem in San Antonio. Um, it is very normalized. In fact, drunk driving is one of the largest problems in our city, and so that normal that normalizing of uh, driving under the influence is very dangerous in our town. And it's something that I, I think about all the time when our kids. Experience drugs and alcohol for the first time. Many of them are introduced to it in their early teens, and we're talking eleven, twelve, thirteen years old. Oftentimes, that's when they started, and it was exposure by a family member, by you know a social environment, a party or something, and it starts off innocent. But their brains are not ready for those things, and when when their brains are experiencing drugs or alcohol for the first time, and and they're not developed yet so many things turn on that aren't ready that aren't ready to turn on and so that's why we want to catch them as early as possible
2: hmm. yeah yeah good good point good point um so many volunteers and staff at recovery organizations have their own recovery
1: stories uh why do you think that is i i love that 100 percent of our program staff are in recovery themselves I think it um, it makes work so much more than a job. This is a calling for hundred percent of our program staff. They are here because their lives were saved at one point from addiction and they are grateful to give it back and so that is such a beautiful uh, way to work you know to bring that uh, to your to your workplace every day. Many of them have been uh, participants in our program at one point they didn't just recover on their own they recovered as mandated clients with Rise Recovery as teenagers with Rise Recovery are, you know, forced by their schools to be there. And at first, they wanted nothing to do with us. We were just planting seeds. But as they found their way through recovery, and realized that Rise Recovery was a big part of that, they have since dedicated a portion of their lives to this work. And that is just, it's incredibly humbling as the leader of this organization, to walk into rooms that are being led by those folks, by these former participants who once were lost and have now found their own recovery. That's right. That's right. Well, they can they can
2: certainly relate because mm-hmm. uh, they've been there and done like that. Like nobody else. Yeah. And, and of course, parents uh, or even family members uh, who have been touched by recovery serve on your board. That's and right. Some of your volunteers.
1: Yes, ex- absolutely. We have deeply invested volunteers uh, who are on our board and off of our board because this disease affects everybody. It does not know... Uh, It doesn't impact by income. It doesn't impact by by zip code. It can affect anybody. And unfortunately, it has. For a lot of our families, uh, our board members have been parents or partners or loved ones of someone who's used and and needed help at RISE. So uh, we also have a lot of volunteers who started off receiving support with us found recovery and and wanted to give back and so it is it is a place that is more than just a workplace it's a community it's a home for a lot of people because their their uh, relationships with family are so damaged by their history and trauma that a lot of times this is the only family they have and so we want to make that a safe space for people a recovery community space for people
2: mm-hmm. well so if somebody is is listening right now and is struggling with substance abuse what is the first step of either they can they can take
1: I think that's, you know, what I find um, is that mo- most of the time the, pe- the first people to take that step are loved ones. That, you know, I, we get phone calls all the time from concerned parents, concerned partners saying, my loved one is using too much, what do I do? Or we need to get them help, what do I do? And th- for those folks, my advice is to get, you get help first. Because a lot of times what we're doing inadvertently or meaning to, in good, with the goodwill is the wrong thing to do for someone who's struggling with drugs and alcohol. Enabling is one of an example of that, um, and so we want to be able to teach partners, parents, loved ones, healthy boundaries and how to create recovery for yourself from this, because that actually helps a loved one get help. Um, it helps them hit those walls that they've been taking advantage of, so uh, that they can start to see this is a problem for me. And if if you are in, if you are considering yourself that you might have a problem just give us a call. I mean, really, you you don't need to have defined it yet. You don't need to have had a diagnosis to stop doing what you're doing and get help now. And it takes a village. It takes a community. And we want to introduce those folks who are ready to think about that change into a community of recovery that can be very fulfilling and uh, and a very positive experience for them for their health. Hmm. We'll mention it a little bit later, but since you've talked about mm-hmm. it right now, give them a phone
2: number or give them a website. What what yes. who can they contact?
1: They can contact uh, Rise Recovery at two one zero two two seven twenty six thirty four, or reach us at info at rise dot org, and we will absolutely respond as soon as possible to those uh, requests, concerns, comments that you have. We want to connect you with uh, the next step for you, whatever that is.
2: For those of you just tuning in, uh, I'm talking today with Avita Moran, uh, CEO of Rise Recovery. Rise Recovery is a local nonprofit helping teens, young adults, and families overcome the effects of drug and alcohol. So, Avita, uh, you know, how can people get involved in the work of Rise?
1: I think uh, you know we're dependent on our community to to help lift uh, the work that we're doing. Uh, one one is to help us. Uh, overcome stigma. It is, it is such a hard topic for people to talk about because they feel so ashamed and it is so stigmatized an issue. And so helping helping your, your neighbor, helping your loved one, helping someone that you know in your family be a, have a voice and for you to be that ear is so important. And that helps break down the stigma that they uh, need to have broken down so that they can get help. I think also uh, we de- we're dependent on volunteers. Now that we have a brand-new campus, mm-hmm. uh, two beautiful acres that uh, pr- provide uh, our home for our for our center, our Charlie Naylor Community Center, we have a need for helping around th- that property. We never had property before. Um, and so now that we have this beautiful space of, of our own that participants can, can land in, um, helping fr- volunteer at the front desk, helping volunteer at our coffee shop, helping volunteer... To pick up, you know, debris around the area, all of that is is so so appreciated. And finally, um, of course, we are nonprofit, and we rec- we are dependent on on donors and on the kindness and generosity of others to to sustain ourso- ourselves and to be able to provide these services at no cost to the people who need them. And so, it is really important every dollar is meaningful and every dollar can make an impact on RISE Recovery's services and the families that we serve. So if
2: somebody is thinking about volunteering, uh, tell us the makeup of your current volunteers. Are are they primarily folks who have some connection to the, to the mm-hmm. addiction world or, or do you have volunteers that have absolutely no connection whatsoever? They just, they believe in your mission, they want to help, they want to serve, they know it's a problem, mm-hmm. uh, but they've never personally been touched in sure. any way.
1: Yeah, we, we see all kinds of folks. I would say if if you have a passion for helping restore families, for helping save marriages, for helping uh, you know restore these children, then then we want we want your help. One of the easy ways that I tell anybody who's interested, they can they can uh, participate is by helping host a a food drive, a pantry uh, sh- shelf-stable food drive for snacks for our kids. A lot of our funding doesn't allow us to fund for food for these kids, but they may be with us from 7 in the morning to 7 p.m. at night. And they rely on us to feed them, and they're hungry, (laughs) as teenagers are. And so, the more that we have on in stock for them, the better off we can serve our kids and help them stay there. Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned it, Rise
2: just opened a new campus, and I know you're really excited about that. I was uh, honored to be at that dedication um, a a while back. Uh, So, congratulations on that. I know that did not come easy raising money, uh, especially, and that was kind of during COVID, (laughs) right in the middle of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. Wow. Uh, so with this new campus, and, of course, y'all had uh, a facility on, on Callahan, if I remember, in San Pedro. San Pedro, mm-hmm. uh, So from. what opportunities are now open because you've got this new space uh, just right off, what, Jackson Keller? Uh, on uh, Fance Jackson and 410. Vance Jackson and 410. So tell us about the Charlie Naylor campus. Yes,
1: I think the most exciting addition to our campus is that now we have a recovery high school. Hmm. Uh, this is brand new for Rise Recovery, uh, and it's brand new for the city of San Antonio A recovery high school, there are many major cities across the nation that have recovery high schools for kids who need that surrounding and that support to stay sober. And uh, who have struggled and relapsed in their home schools or are no longer welcome in their home schools because their behavior has caused them to be suspended or expelled. And so this space is to really focus on helping them achieve that, that diploma, to receive that education, and to, to find their own journey and path through recovery because it is very hard at that age, very hard to, to stay sober. And so when they relapse, as they often do, uh, instead of being removed from the campus and, and just focused on the discipline, we are we're connecting that, that child to an inpatient or outpatient program. We're connecting that family to the resources they need. We're keeping in contact with that kid while they're in uh, treatment, and we're making sure they make it out and come right back to us so that they, they can continue their credits and complete their high school education. So that is allowing us to see so many kids achieve things that they would have never achieved without a recovery high school, and it's through the help of donors like like Baptist and like others that have made it possible. I tell you the one thing I
2: can say about a facility like what y'all now have and that is from where you've come, you know, you're in dated, older, borrowed, you know, facilities with old furniture, etc. and you know, that communicates to the person who's recovering, you know, their facility is obviously not a priority and and that communicates to the person trying to be recovered that you know maybe that shouldn't be a, re- a priority mm-hmm. for me and your new facility is, is bright and clean and spacious and and thought out for the mission that you're doing and uh, that goes into the to the whole recovery package that you had the program it was mm-hmm. excellent you just didn't have the facility right. that matched the excellence of the program so so way to go on on getting a new I'm campus so i'm so
1: glad you noticed the the intentionality mm-hmm. of that space that now it is it's in, an intervention in itself that it is trauma informed that it is really thinking about what it, what a person feels when they walk into a space and and the and do they feel valued and is the space you know meant for them and mm-hmm. you are exactly right all of those things have have changed as a result yeah.
2: Well, let's talk about our community just for a minute. What, what, what issue, Avita, in our area is weighing on your mind
1: right now? Fentanyl, 100%. Mm. That is uh, on my mind all the time because it is, it's an insidious uh, drug. It is now being placed in, like as filler for so many other things that are made to look like, like it's a medication, like it's a prescribed pill. And these kids think they're doing something moderately safe by experimenting with what looks like medication, and they're dying because this fentanyl is so strong and so potent. It's uh, 50 times stronger than heroin. It is, uh, and it, it takes as little as a few salt, grains of salt uh, in that amount can can kill a person. And so it is, uh, it's unfortunately taking over a lot of drugs in, in our communities across the nation, but including San Antonio. And we've seen kids affected by that. We've seen families who are mourning children because of this. And now it doesn't – there's not a lot of time to even build up to a disease before you find yourself in a medical emergency. And so we are trying to get in front of that with our – we're trying to let every school, every child, every student know the dangers of this drug and what to do to protect themselves.
2: Wow. Something we definitely need to Mm – be keeping on the forefront uh, as it is impacting everybody. How how has, uh, is, as we think about the pandemic, you know, how has COVID 19 had a lasting effect on the recovery
1: landscape? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I noticed when COVID happened that the referrals stopped happening. Even when schools started back up again uh, virtually the referrals weren't happening because the disciplinary system in the school just kind of stopped. You know, there weren't kids to to supervise and to monitor and to hold accountable for their behaviors. And so we stopped receiving a lot of referrals, but we knew these kids were still there and they were still struggling. And so there was not a great bridge to get to those kids during COVID. So we saw those that we could, we maintained the relationships we had, but we knew we were going to see something new when they went back into the schools. And sure enough, when school started again, and we started getting those re- school referrals again, we started to see kids who had been struggling much longer before they got help than we had before. So they'd been dabbling in drugs and alcohol and getting away with it for a lot longer, and so that that you know increased their the length of time that they'd been using and the problems that they were having. And so we did see that immediately. We do think now that our now we've been able to expand into so many schools that um, we are we are able to see those kids where they are when we, when they need us. We have full-time staff dedicated to multiple ISDs around San Antonio because we have so many ISDs in San Antonio and uh, to make sure that those kids are being seen. And we're so grateful that the schools have acknowledged this is a problem. This is that behavioral health and mental health are important aspects of uh, a child's health in the same way that physical health is important and that they teach about that. So we feel very welcome in our public schools, and there's just more that needs to be done. Mm-hmm.
2: Avita, what would you say to someone who you know has a has a family member has a friend who they know is struggling but is not willing to get help mm-hmm. and maybe they've even tried suggested and you know this person doesn't think they have a problem you know they're dabbling you know they're they're they're, they're having issues but they just don't see it right. so
1: how do you help that person help the other person? that's That's such a hard question, and that is probably the most common scenario that we have um, i I can't stress enough the importance of that person helping themselves first and making sure asking those questions working with rise recovery, even because we have we have a space for parents who are trying to get help for themselves, even if their kids aren't ready yet uh, or their young adults aren't ready yet, because there is work that could be that can be done around how to ensure that your home is Uh, protecting against use how to how to ensure that the rules that you have and that you follow through on them and that the boundaries that you create that you follow through on those are all happening so we help those loved ones create a plan to keep their space safe and to to really hold uh, that person accountable for consequences if they don't if they don't uh, participate in that safety and so that's one of the first ways that you can help someone who's not ready get help is to be hard and fast on your boundaries, and be and follow through on the consequences for for violating those boundaries. Because as soon as that person who's using sees that nothing happens, there's no real reason to stop. It's still helping solve a problem for them. It's not creating new problems, and so we have to kind of help create those uh, those walls and those boundaries for them to run into before they start to realize, oh, this isn't fun. Mm, yeah, exactly well <clears throat> finally how impactful
2: is community support and let's let's drill, drill down quickly on the financial piece i yeah. mean nonprofits stay alive because uh, people are supporting so uh, how can how can someone support y'all financially?
1: Absolutely. Uh, visit Rise Recovery, uh, www.riserecovery.org, um, and look at our donate page. There is, again, every dollar counts. We are A lot of nonprofits are dependent on those monthly donors, even at small amounts, because it's regular income that's coming in, and it's a way that, that don- donors and p- community people can demonstrate their commitment to a mission, that they're not just there for the once and done, but that they're there for the long haul to really see this mission through. So we really we can't survive without donors. Our, our young adult program and our uh, siblings program, our family program, those are all often unfunded because a lot of times funding goes directly to the child. But there are, a lot of our major funders don't think about the impact that parents or that young adults have in the system, and so we have to fund that ourselves through donations. So it's been – You know, if if there's an opportunity to to visit and learn more about RISE, uh, I, I think I would recommend our annual breakfast. We have our benefit breakfast every year. That is our major fundraiser for the year. It's a great way to learn more about RISE Recovery, attending that. We have speaker series. We have any number of things. Join our newsletter. Get involved by joining our newsletter. It's a great way to learn about all the things going on and all the things you can do.
2: Well, Vita, thank you for being here today. And I want to leave the audience uh, with a few uh, lines that I know y'all use regularly, and that is recover, discover, give, forgive, pray, stay, and love, mm-hmm. and you know, if anybody is is hesitant to make a call to y'all, I think they need to remember another line y'all use a lot, and that is hugs, not drugs. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to get a lot of hugs uh, if they if they come to you. Let me let me offer a word of prayer for thank you, you. Uh, as we uh, close out our program today. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, Evita and for Rise Recovery for her journey, uh, for the journey of Rise Recovery from Houston and Palmer drug abuse. And we just lift up this great organization pray that you'd continue to bless it uh, bring in the money that it needs and uh, lord we just pray for those uh, kiddos that need uh, its 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 support and its help and its recovery and just bless the families as they as they work through uh, the issues uh, of alcohol and drug abuse we love you in jesus name amen amen well, thank you for, for joining us today. We really learned a lot uh, from you and and Rise Recovery that I did not know, and just the issues in our area are just so significant, and you're so much a part of that. Um, so thank you, folks, for for tuning in uh, to today's show. And you can catch our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts or by visiting bhfsa.org slash givingtogether. We'll be back next week with another great conversation about health matters and nonprofits in our area. Take care now.
1: Thank you for tuning in today for Together for Good. We hope you've been encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. Until our next time together, may the Lord bless and keep you. And in all things, to God be the glory.